Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. Welcome to Tuesday, October 15th edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. I'm your co-host, Aurel Rester, Joel L. Conan, along with Dennis Dick. We got Chris Dears, Chris Scalise, working the boards here today. Earnings, earnings, earnings. That's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, also, overall market talk with the S&Ps, finding some resistance here, just under 3,000. Don't look now, but Tesla's over 250. Beyond Meat and Smile Direct Club cannot catch a bid in this market uh, just a quick reminder here today's show is sponsored by Webull and their trading competition join traders from around the world in this paper trading competition the competition consists of four weekly events october 7th through 9th with weekly prizes of nearly 11k worth of amazon gift cards and a grand prize to the best overall portfolio of either a brand new Tesla Model 3 or 40 grand towards paying off your student loans. Plus, Weibo will donate a portion of the total returns to the Shriners Hospital for children. If you don't have student loans, uh, you can put the money in a Weibo account. S&P futures are trading up eight and a half handles, 29.74. Caught a bid right off the open and matched Monday's high at 29.82.50, so we got a good number on the upside, and we got a good number on the downside. Your closing price of 65 and a half, that's just a buck away from your pre-market low. Currently treading water at mid-session, crude in the red by 35 cents at 53.24. Silver and gold, both in the red. Gold losing fifteen hundred, down ninety cents at fourteen ninety six seventy. Silver the red by eight cents at seventeen sixty three, and Bitcoin down fifty dollars. These are the futures at eighty three oh five. So let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, how you doing on this? Two, are you well rested? Are you fired up? Are you healthy? Are you ready to go? Well, I'm trying to be healthy here. The arm is still hurting here. I don't know. It's been a month. Had a tetanus shot, and it's just hurt ever since. And I've been, you know, been thinking it's a pinched nerve. I don't know. It's something to do with the tetanus shot or not, but I'm telling you, my arm's still hurting. Is so. that why you weren't grooving as much on the dance floor? Yeah, the shoulder has been bothering me for the better part of a month, ever since I got three days after the tetanus shot it started, and it just hasn't gone away. So, anyways, it is what it is. Trying to work through it. Like I said, when I click my mouse, it hurts. It just hurts all the time. So. Anyways, hopefully we can figure this thing out. But, you know, that's besides the point. We're here for the show. We're not here for my health. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you, there's a few earnings here this morning. So we did kickstart earnings season here. We've got 
Two banks going the opposite direction. We've also got some other major movers here too, even in the pot sector as well. Let's start with the big gun though. JP Morgan reporting good numbers. It ripped on the report. And what did we talk about? We talked about it ripping. And I don't know, I haven't really come in to analyze the tail of the tape this morning, but I did see it in the 119s. Uh, I set this one up to 120. We'd see if it would fail there. Did it test the 120? Uh, close, Dennis. It got to 119.20. It hit that number okay. twice. And it ba- actually, one night, someone's stalking 119 here. Uh, just uh, the last four 15 minute brackets. Uh, oh, well, the last one's a little bit lower, but someone's out there at 119. I'm just going to give you that as resistance. Uh, if you get above that, get into 119 handle, then come back under 119. Look out. Uh, JP Morgan, notorious, notorious for uh, having some great whip, whip saws on earnings day. Yeah. Old time high, 120.40. Old time closing high, 120.23. Can we just get the numbers there? Or do I'm you have them? For, actually, I can grab them if you don't have I them. I got them. I got them. Joel's well. fast. Yeah, Give us numbers. I mean, Maybe we'll get rid of Spencer all together here. Uh, <laughs> Go. They, they beat for EPS, uh, oh. 268 versus 245. Beat on revenues, 30.06 billion versus 28.49 billion. They make some money. They do make some money. Let's do Citigroup, too, before we really start analyzing the tape on here, because Citigroup reported right at the top of the hour as we were starting the show. I'm going to give you the numbers here, Joel, because I'm fast, too, with this Benzinga Pro. $2.07 versus $1.95, 18.57 billion versus 18.55 billion. So could be on the bottom line, not as big of a beat on the top line. Maybe that's why Citigroup has started to leak. It was trading higher um, off the JP Morgan numbers, but really since Citigroup reported it started to leak. Might as well do Goldman Sachs. We do all three of them in there. GS also, I'm going to give you the numbers for that. It's down three bucks, but if we give you the numbers for Goldman Sachs from the trusty Benzinger Pro, we have a miss. Goldman never misses. 479 versus 481. Man, they make money though. 8.32 billion versus 8.34 billion. So just a slight miss on the top, a slight miss on the bottom. And that's a slight miss here for shareholders this morning as the stock is trading down almost $4 here now. Give us a tail of the tape from the pre market action for all of these issues. Okay. So we'll start with Citigroup hanging out, you know, just kind of riding the coattails of the other banks. And you had a seller, I'm just going to call it a 71 area. Uh, several highs in there. Pre-market high actually 71.24 on the last bracket, but you may have a hard time getting back to that area. Trading down at the lows of the pre-market session. Let's see if we can pick a bottom here. Currently trading at 69.44. Yesterday's low, 69.46. This is where it has to hold. The reason it has to hold there is because you got a two-buck drop to Thursday's low at 67. 55 so hanging out at yesterday's low uh for citigroup for goldman sachs uh do we have these charts i'm not seeing the charts is somebody working the charts yep yep we got chris we got chris okay chris i was just wasn't okay. seeing the charts so maybe he's okay. on it or... all right no thank you uh goldman also trading at the lows of the pre-market session uh we've hit 201 on two different occasions so there's your number you gotta hold your 82 cents above that yesterday's low we've already taken that out gotta hold 201 for goldman here you got a uh, you got a three buck drop three and a half buck drop to 197.54 to fill a gap from about uh, third uh well not a gap 
but uh, just a lot of room under yesterday's low. So these stocks were getting off the map. Yeah. Low interest rate environment. And now I guess so-so earnings uh, have them on the skids again. Yeah, um, that's what we're seeing, obviously, this morning with all these movements in the banks. I mean, we're going to get Bank of America tomorrow. We're going to get more banks. We also get, we also, did we get Wells numbers? Yes, we did. We did. I was uh, neglecting Wells Fargo. Maybe it's because they've been the laggard of the group for so long that I even forget about them now. But it looks like a miss here on Wells, too. Yes, I don't know if there's some adjustments in there, but I'm seeing 92 cents versus a buck 14. Is that right? Uh, I've, I've seen a buck seven versus a buck 14. Oh, you got a better pro than I do, then. Yeah, well, that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm seeing in pro. I'll have to look for the adjustments. Yeah, well, and maybe that is the adjust number, and the sales slightly beat, so it looks like it's still a miss on the bottom line and a beat on the top line. But Wells Fargo is coming off the lows. It actually went down to the 48 handle Ooh. here. Yeah, yeah. 48.55, but it's coming off those lows. It's bid 49.14 here right now. So these banks trying to figure out which way they want to go. Well, just I'm looking at 4816 at your three day low and just looking at all these charts and just, you know, the recent, you know, rally off the lows and stuff and don't have time to do it now. But you could just figure you the recent low and then you got the pop up. This is like 47 to 50. So that's a buck and a half, 48, 50. You know, the, the retracement of those moves uh, to see if you could prevent it from going back down to the lows of the moves uh but just it's just not the great environment for banks here. JP Morgan, what do you think about Jamie Dimon? You think he's still holding that stock? Remember the Jamie Dimon buy, Dennis? No. You, no. Yes, you do. You're the one. The whale who, trade? No, man, you're going back r way far now. That's when I told you not to buy it at twenty eight yeah, five or something. <laughs> twenty nine dollars. Don't buy. It. You'll get it at twenty seven. It's one hundred and eighteen. <laughs> no, Continuing. The Jamie Dimon buy was in February of 2016. Remember, we had a rough January. Oh, yeah. And then we were casting. We called the Diamond Bottom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he came in and bought a, just a boatload of stock. Yeah. Actually turned the market around. Actually turned everything around back in 16. So I'm not going to call top in the, uh, in the bull market until I find out that he had dumped that stock. But he bought... If, I think if you go Joel Conan, Jamie Dimon, buy Benzinga, you can pull it up on, uh, I'm sure Google will pick it up. But um, best in breed there, uh, keeping an eye on the all-time high there, see if we can close over 120 for another breakout. We pounded out a lot of earnings there, at least from the banks. Let's go to the pot sector here. We had Alan Brockstein on yesterday. He was worried about Afria earnings, but the market is not worried about them this morning. They look good. APHA getting a lot of yesterday's losses back here. Give us those numbers, uh, Joel, APHA. APHA. Now, I think what Alan said was uh, the conference call had a different tune, I believe, than uh, the from the last call. Yeah. He wasn't impressed. So he, and I, you know, and I obviously, I'm not following the story closely enough, but, you know, he was basically saying they had kind of said something or they kind of put in earnings something that he didn't think that they should have. So he didn't like the numbers as much as the street liked the numbers. And that concerned him for this quarter. I don't know if they're doing the same thing here again, but the stock is really ripped up. I just be cautious because it ripped last time on a great report, eventually gave it all back. 
I don't know if it's going to do it here, but this sector is just in such shambles, hard to get excited. I know it's up 16%, so great if you bought at those lows yesterday, but let's put it in perspective. We're getting back to where the stock was three days ago. So there's still a lot of overhead supply here. I'm not sure this is the, I mean, looking at this report, I wouldn't be hitting buy, 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 buy button. Um, EPS of $0.07 down from year over year at $0.09. Sales of $126,000. 126 million Canadian. I guess that's up from last year of 13 point. Is that right? I mean, <clears throat> that's what these numbers are doing stuff differently here. I don't know. So anyways, we don't know, but I just, we had Alan yesterday that was saying on the show, the, the way that they were doing the numbers, he didn't like the way they're doing the numbers. I don't know if they did it that way. Again, we don't know. We'd have to ask Alan to have on the show. I don't follow the sector closely enough, but uh, it looks 50. like the revenue was way up year over year, unless they threw something else in there again. So that's what I don't know if there's a one-time, you know, revenue. In it. And obviously that's fine to do. It's just, you know, the way it, it posts on the headline can be confusing sometimes. So I'm not sure if it's really 126 of continuing million of revenue or, or what it is. Or maybe the 13 million was light last time. But it looks like a significant, you know, increase year over year in revenue. Just not sure if there's one-time items in there. Yeah, Roger Milley uh, paying close attention yesterday. He said he thought he mentioned their accounting method. That's just uh, going from the YouTube. And they should be the same as in the, you know, similar to the U.S. We've got gap accounting principles here in Canada, too. It's not like China. So you'd hope that the accounting measures are okay. Uh, This 550 area, just on the dailies, just a bunch of highs in that area, some below, some above. Pre-market confirmation of that area as important as you hit 545 twice and you backed off to 550 five uh you know the lower five dollars trying to stay in the five dollar handle so when i see that when i see the daily highs coincide with the pre-market high man oh man it better get up it better get there it better get over there or this thing could easily easily roll over get down to the top of yesterday's range that's not far away at 475 and the close at 4.30. I mean, on the last report, which was really good, it opened and it ripped a dollar and hung out there for a week or two before it started to leak. So, um, you know, it's not that it necessarily just has to go straight down from here. Just saying there's so many people who are down in this, they'll probably be using the opportunity to get their money back. Like, I think it gets near 5.50. I think there's, you know, I think that's a better level as opposed to 5.09. I'm not okay. sure how high it got in the pre-market. How high did we get? 5.45. Ah, he's got to be out there in the pre-market. It's already been to that level. So it gave you a shot here early, 545. I mean, these look like this looks like a selling opportunity to me. I still think a lot of these pot stocks competition, you know, I don't know anything about their counting methods there, what, what Alan was saying, but I'm just saying, you know, these stocks are in significant downtrends. Um, the competition is coming. The story is not. In some cases, we've said the story has cooled off. In the pot stocks, I believe the story is broken. And the broken reason is because the competition is coming from the private sector from everywhere and they were trading with nosebleed valuations. What about so. the um what about still the you know the the black market? I don't know, black market. Uh, I mean are where are the prices between the black market and what I don't know that. Either, I, I, either we'd have to get Alan back on. I've heard before that it's still cheaper to buy it on the street than it is from the government, but I'm not a pot smoker, so I don't know. I'm not out there going to ordering pot, but um, I will say, you know, a lot of these are medical marijuana plays. Like AAPHA is more of a medical marijuana play. They're not really selling, you know, the, the equivalent. They don't have a lot of the retail focus. Like Hexo, I believe, is more of a retail pot play where you've got, and it's really been slammed where Afria is more of the medical marijuana play, at least to my understanding. But all we can tell you, we didn't do the technicals on this. I just say the whole entire sector has been hit so hard. 
that I think you see bounces. Yeah, you can see a little bit of a short squeeze, maybe, maybe a life for a day or two, but I just don't see these things ripping back. I don't see Africa going back to $10, maybe ever. So just because the valuation just doesn't make any sense, unless they continue to really grow and they can really ramp it up. And I just don't know how with that competition coming. So many licenses giving out here now. I mean, it's different market, like Alan was saying in the US, but in Canada, it's gonna to start to get very competitive. Uh, just real quick, I'm going to rip through these. Uh, Tilray, uh, trading at 21.45. You stuck up near 22, so we'll keep an eye on the pre-market high. But just be aware here, Tilray, your last two daily highs right here at 21.5. So we hold 21.5, maybe challenge that pre-market high. That's for Tilray, making a new low of the move. All-time low in Tilray, 2010. And uh, wow, the... Uh, August low was 21 and a half. So that's for Tilray. I'll go through uh, CGC here, Canopy Growth. They had some other minor news here. Mm -hmm. That's getting a pop uh, up only 39 cents. Right here, once again, uh, trading just at yesterday's high, 1940. I mean, three days ago, this was 22 bucks. <laughs> you know, they've been hit so hard and we've been dead right. You know, we get things right, we get things wrong. We're going to pat ourselves on the back here again. We've been right on these pot stocks because uh, we've been, well, you know, maybe I was too early with it, but we really got bearish when the CGC really started breaking down through 40 on yep. the show. So we've been talking bad about them for a long time. Not talking bad about the companies themselves. We're talking bad about the stock charts that they've looked weak and they've just continued to go down. So I'm not going to turn around and get bullish here because one you know, company has oh. reported an okay quarter. Hard. A lot of overhead supply. Cron looking okay. That's trading up uh, 27 cents at 8.13. You are trading above yesterday's high at 7.95, but challenging your two-day high at 8.15. So you want to you wanna hold eight bucks and get a little rally here with APHA being your leader. Uh, if you're looking for really for a lot, your three-day high there in Cron uh, comes in at 8.58. But man, all oh, these charts look the same. And and Bev, once the darling of Wall Street. Uh, Where's that? I was saying it'd go under two dollars when it was nine. I think I'm eighty-one. I, I think I'm off. I'm, it's not quite down to the two dollars again. This was a year, and I only gave myself a year, so I missed it because it was in September time. when it went up to ten. And I said a year from now it's going to be back down to two. So I'm slightly off. I'm about a month, about a week and a half later. It's only got to two seventy-one. Three bucks. That's your level there. You had highs above and below. Uh, boom, boom. 306. So if this gets above, can get above three, hold three. I don't know what the short interest in these stocks. I don't know what the borrow is on them either. But uh, that's, that's another consideration. Yeah, yeah that's another. Um, you know, I did see a tweet for somebody. I can't, um, I can't remember who it was. But they said, all right, everyone's coming out with, uh, you know, free stock trades. How about um, free stock loan? Who's going to be the first one to do that? No, they make a lot of money from that. I, I, know, I know. I know. Boring. It's a lot of hidden fees when you are shorting stocks. You have to be aware of those. It's not as simple as, oh, we're just going to sell short beyond meat and collect it when it goes back down to $100. No, there's borrow fees. There's hard locates. I haven't been able to locate beyond meat forever, although I've never tried very hard because I know how expensive it is. But you look at this beyond meat, it's down every day. Here is a story. We talk about stories cooling off. We talk about broken stories. The story is now broken. That's not the but doesn't have the buzz anymore. The valuation was nosebleed. Not beyond meat's fault at all. I mean, they obviously, you know, did something right, and the story really got hot. And you know that story has completely cooled off. McDonald's topped it. They did the trial in Canada. 
that was the high that day when it got up to 160. We were saying 164 that day um, that it was a selling opportunity. Here it is. Two weeks later, it is. I mean, it's not rocket science what we're talking about on the show. We're looking at stocks that are broken. They get a piece of good news and rallies it back up. A lot of times you look at it a couple of weeks later and it's giving it all back, if not sooner. So this Beyond Meat is getting, you know, it was $200. Now, you know, I've been saying for a long time, I think it's going under 100 I said I upped my target a week ago. I said 100 by the end of the year. I might get it. All right. Uh, Daniel Manahan's asking, and I don't know about this. Why is Beyond Meat reporting early earnings earlier than expected? Does that mean that Did they move it up? I, I, he's asking. I don't think that's necessarily. Good. They're to report on Monday, October the twenty eighth. I'm not sure when they were supposed to report before, but that's when they're going to report. So that's coming. That's interesting. That'll be in a couple of weeks. We'll get beyond me. They got to blow it. I mean that 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 Mickey that that news the Mickey D and now they may not need to blow it out if the stock's in such a gutter before. Maybe it will get us a relief pop. I mean, I we're seeing that in Afria here this morning too. I mean, so you know, from the the bottom line, this bottom line wasn't great. I guess the top line revenues were pretty good. But, you know, you're just getting a relief pop. The thing's been sold so much. Expectations were just so low. When stocks get hit that hard going into a report, the expectations are very low. Beyond Meat could have the same story, where it could just be, you know, a, a situation where stock getting hit so hard into the report and eventually, you know, it's just going to rally if they say anything good. Johnson & Johnson had a Q3 adjusted EPS beat. 212 beats the estimate of $2.00. Uh, revenue beat, slight revenue beat, $20.73 billion uh, versus estimates of $20.09. Raising uh, fiscal year 2019 EPS guidance uh, from the uh, eight, from 873 to 883 to 884 to 889. The good news is it's trading up a buck 78 at 132.50. The bad news is it traded up to 134.24. So the fade is on here. Oh, and Johnson & Johnson, I'm looking at this daily high. Oh, no, didn't quite get there. One thirty-seventy. You know, was that daily high? So yeah. for me, when I see a pop like this, and then you start to give it back, yeah. I it makes, I mean, more times than not, I don't have empirical data on this. Man, it makes it hard. It makes it hard to get back up to that area. And, uh I mean, I guess the whole opiate thing is still out there. I haven't been following the entire story, but it seems like they've been navigating. We had another lawsuit there, too. When you were away on Friday, I forget, it was for something else again. So everybody's expecting, you know, that it could be the opioid thing, and they ended up having a, a ridiculous award to them with something to the tune of $8 billion. Somebody had something, and they ended up getting breast enlargement, and the jury gave them $8 billion. Yeah, Obviously, that's that? not – what's that? Were yeah. you there for that? I, no, but I, I heard him talking. Actually, my sports radio. Just a ridiculous, a ridic ridiculous amount of money. Let's make the person one of the richest men in the world because he had larger breasts. Uh, I, I don't understand what the jury is doing there. Uh, Griffin11 is saying we can hear you on YouTube, but not on the Benzinga website. Just refresh the website. So the Benzinga website needs to be refreshed if you want to hear us there. We're live on YouTube as well, though. So okay. just refresh. And obviously, if you're on the Benzinga and website, also, you're not going to be able to hear us uh, say that but you need to refresh i want to give a shout out to um our listeners on spotify did you know we're on spotify we're everywhere now eh cool yeah, spotify. hi spotify soundcloud they don't just for fun let's look at the spotify stock oh that's been in the gutter too <laughs> there's been a lot of stocks in the gutter you know there's a lot of you know s&ps are up near the highest but man there's a lot of stocks that have been in the gutter for a while i guess if those stocks start to turn it around 
Spotify needs to get up above 120. Somebody alert me when it gets above 120 because that's where I'll get interested. Until then, bears are in complete control. But somebody message me or tweet at me if it gets above 120 because I might be interested. All right. Uh, Griffin 11 here, just moving away from earnings here for a second. Um, some morning movers, and there's one that you mentioned here, Dennis. There was a note out from Merrill Lynch. I'm yep. NVIDIA. Yeah, big Woo-hoo. move. Look at this. Uh, this is a big it. note. So NVIDIA, um, there's no upgrade. It's just they, they reiterated their buy, but they bumped their price target up to $250. And they said that earnings per share could triple in the next three years. So huge, you know, bullish commentary here from from Merrill on Nvidia on this. I still have it in the long term portfolio. Bought it at one fifty. Plan on holding on to it. Um, I just think, you know, in the, from the chips perspective, I still think it's one of the best, if not the best. And the, you know, they got the gaming. So we got a lot of you know, they got a lot of avenues where they could be obviously benefiting. And you know, not only that, from AI as well, which I think was mentioned in the Merrill Lynch notes. So I'm sticking with the Nvidia. Yeah, you've been. Um... Please sell it so when it goes back down to 150. Well, I know. I got it 150. The thing went to 190. It didn't sell. It went all the way back down to 140, and it's back down up to 190 again. So maybe I should sell it here because this is where it failed before. Rebuy yeah. it if it gets back down to 150. I just got to start trading that long-term portfolio more. 193.47 is what everyone's going to be looking at in this stock. That was your April high, and uh, boom, boom, and May, you touch 135.39. So – you know, big round, you know, let's call it 195, 200. How many people are saying when NVIDIA gets back to 200, I'm just going to cut my loss. So there's some resistance up here. But uh, big note uh, from Merrill Lynch, trading at the highs of the pre-market session. So that's uh, good for them. Uh, let's see here. Hey, before we go on, I want to ask you, did you ever see the movie Life? No. Because you always, I like it when you say boom, boom, and you give you a stock ticker. Because life, it was Ray Ray from the movie, which is Eddie Murphy in there. And he's talking about the boom, boom room. So I was wondering if you got that from his boom, boom. It's this boom, boom room. That's what it makes me think of all the time. So anybody who remembers that movie will know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, I'm just blowing it over everybody's head. But I always, you know, you do that a lot. Talk about the boom, boom. Here's the quote. I was like, maybe you you watch that movie, the boom, boom room. Anyways, he was in jail. And he said, if you ever got out of jail. He was going to start this bar, and he was going to call it the Boom Boom Room. And there was a Boom Boom Room in Windsor after that, so obviously they stole it from that movie. But the Boom Boom uh, Room. What about uh, a great concert song, uh, Boom Boom, I'll Go the Lights? Is that where you're getting it from? Yeah. You know who sings that? If no. If knows that, they get a uh, free one-month trial to Benzinga Pro here. That's an old Well, they'll song. Google it. <laughs> Don't Google it. Don't Google no it. No Googling. When we do these trivia, you can't go Googling. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's someone new here. Long screen name JS2 TV. It looks like I don't know how you came up with that one. Any thoughts on WWR receiving graphite contract? Well, I don't know anything about the graphite contract, but I don't know anything about the stock. 350. I mean, Mm. I'm just looking at this. It's a it's a reverse uh, stock, a reverse split stock, which is not a good thing. Uh, but trading up 42 cents, you did spike the four dollars on that. But let's see what happens at 350. All those highs at 350 go to the daily, yeah. And this one, all these highs at 350. So that's what I'm just looking at. Don't know anything 
um, about the uh, about the actual news. Of the Forty dollars two years ago. It's three bucks here now. Any type of rally you get in this will again be met with overhead supply. You can squeeze them for a little bit. It's had some spikes in there, so tradable about you know bought, or tradable balances here, but. Don't, I wouldn't be putting one of these in my long-term portfolio because I don't think it's anything more than a tradable balance. Although, you know, we have seen some pretty good spikes in this before, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's room even at $4, but um, I, I'm not interested in this long-term. I just want to um, I just want to take a look and see, is the AMD getting a boost from the uh, for the NVIDIA news at all? AMD was very interesting last night, and I was trying to find a catalyst, and I guess there was none. But AMD was getting smacked after hours last night. If you look at the chart, it traded some volume and it traded down to 3030 and Intel was trading straight up last night and they were going in opposite directions. I was like, is there chip news or something like that? And then somebody had tweeted out and I thought that this might be the catalyst that Intel was going to do some, uh, um, some discounting to compete with AMD. And I was like, oh, well, that could be it. But now I look this morning and AMD's up. So I think somebody just got overexcited last night, wanted to sell, and they were spanking, I mean, like tens of thousands of shares were trading on AMD last night. Like probably almost traded, I bet you, close to a million shares down. And the market was trading up. So I was like, I don't know what's happening there. I'm not touching it because I don't really know. I was trying to search around for a headline. Maybe there was none. Somebody just wanted the hell out. Yeah, good calls and bad calls, right? From everybody. Uh, TDD uh, trade desk is that uh, is that moving at all today? No, not. That's looking healthier though now. So that is consolidated. It looks like it's tried to put in a bottom. That's one that could. That's interesting. What do you think of that? I mean, get above two hundred two, which we might do here today. There's some room for that to run a little bit. You will have an overhead supply issue, so I'm not getting real excited and saying this going back to two fifty or two sixty. But there's room to 220 here. This could open up a bit. You know who likes this one? Um, he's made some good calls and bad calls. I know that uh, Ryan Craver likes this stock. <clears throat> yeah, he's our retail. Analyst. I don't follow the, the fundamentals of it, like, you know, to analyze from a fundamental basis, just looking purely at the chart. And I traded sometimes there, TTD. Obviously, it was recent IPO. And there's some, well, it wasn't that recent, I guess, you know, it's been a little while here now, 2016, but really, you know, I had a crazy move at the beginning of 2019, just got overdone. So, you know, this is an example of a story that has cooled off, not an example of a story that is broken. Like I was saying, you know, the examples of pot stocks, story is broken. Stories have cooled off can get hot again. Roku is a story that has cooled off. It started to get hot again. You know, there's different, you know, stocks you can talk about obviously that have you know look like they're broken i mean oil stocks are broken a lot of different sectors broken but there's stories that have just cooled off and i think ttd isn't a broken story i think it's just one that's cooled off and it could get hot again yeah that's uh so we got uh, about a minute and a half here let's just uh finish up with these morning earnings i'm gonna go to uh unh university of new hampshire united healthcare let's see how they did today what do we got from them? A Q3 adjusted EPS beat 388 versus 375. Uh, beat on sales too, 60.4 billion versus estimates of 59.79. The good news is it's up 466. Yeah. The bad news is it traded up to 229.40. And uh, that, what was your <clears throat> high from yesterday? Uh, Cast it almost two days ago. Yeah, 220. Yeah, call 229. I just don't know. Yeah. Like on this one yeah and uh, if you're looking at to come into yesterday not too far from the top of yesterday's range if you're looking to pick this up 
a little bit on the cheap yesterday's high, 223.34. Overall, uh, I mean, the, if you look at the monthly, you're like, ah, that's just a healthy pullback. But uh, looking on the daily, it, it looks like it's got a lot of overhead supply again. Yep. The charts are tough when you start running into stocks that have been downtrends for two or three months and they get a little pop. You have a lot of people saying, thank you for giving my money back. And you have willing sellers. And we've seen that already with UNH here this morning. If the stock goes red, I'd be very concerned. I'm not sure. You know, this could just be a pullback. We get back up there and test 229 again. If this thing gave it all back at 220, I think it's going to like 210. So, you know, that, that's if, you know, it's an if scenario. I don't know if it's going to do that, but I would be actually, if it came back down to the 221 area, people think, oh, now I'm going to buy it. I think that's the worst thing you do. I think if you think it's, you know, going to hold up, you're buying it here, saying it's going to go back to 230. But this is one that's already leaking. So I'm concerned about this stock. All right. It is now 835. We're going to bring in Ryan Dietrich. He's a senior market strategist at LPL Financial. We're dialing up, Ryan, here. We're, we're getting them live. Chris he is getting always, them in the background here. He always gives us uh, some good charts, some good historical information. He's got the stats. He's the stats man. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's got the data. He's got the data. Yep. This guy's, Ryan's data got man. the data. Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, Ryan. You are live on Benzinga's pre-market prep show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you. Glad to be back. Appreciate it. Yeah, so here we are. We're getting started uh with earnings season uh but before that we're just gonna we're just gonna cover some uh, macro things here and uh i get you know it's funny how the market changes right you know we're worried about the inverted yield curve no one's talking about the inverted yield curve then we are talking with china so trade update with us and china we're in your report your evaluation where are we at well joel yeah i mean Baby steps in the right direction, right? I mean, they finally have said we're in phase one. Now, there could be phase two and phase three. But, you know, there's a lot of pain. I mean, the recent economic data out of China still is showing slowing U.S. by no means. Or we, we uh, you know, there's rip-roaring here in our economic data as well. So, you know, they're, they, they, being China, bought $1.5 billion worth of our soybeans last month. And it looks like they're going to keep buying more. So, that, you know, we are baby stepping in the right direction. Trade is such a key to this whole thing because it brings back confidence. It brings back CapEx, companies invested in themselves. This is over a 10-year economic cycle of growth, the longest in our country's history. If we want this economic cycle to continue, we need confidence to come back. And, and Washington gets that. So does China. We really need, you know, we don't need any resolution, but a path to resolution. And don't forget, next month in Chile, President Xi and President Trump are going to meet and potential face-to-face at least to potentially sign this phase one and if they do markets could like that and we get into that normal bullish seasonal fourth quarter stuff we can talk about that soon but that's that's kind of how we see things playing out baby stepping in the right direction all right so uh uh your comment here on q3 earnings season uh it's a pretty definitive statement here from ryan uh q3 won't be good but we are looking for EPS to improve in the next year. So is it going to be one of those earnings seasons where, oh, the Q3 numbers aren't great, but we got good guidance. Let's focus on the guidance. Yeah, that's usually how things work, is it not? I mean, you look at this whole year, we're looking at maybe 3 or 4% earnings growth this year. 
Last year, we gained over 20% earnings growth on the S&P 500, but yet stocks were down 6% last year. We're up close to 20% this year. So it's kind of interesting. We do believe long-term earnings matter, but it's kind of unique how um, this economy is so much slower this year. And we know why. It's because of the Fed pivots and the realization after the worst fourth or a year ago, the worst fourth quarter you know, in 10 years, the realization we didn't have a recession. So we really just bounced back. But overall, you look at earnings, we're going to be slightly negative probably in the third quarter. But things really, potentially right now, people look up for 10% earnings growth next year. We think that's maybe a little on the high end, but if we get some good news with China, and let's not forget next year is an election year, as we all know. There, there's a lot of reasons for President Trump uh, to potentially get this trade you know, trade going the right way by the second quarter of next year. And that could potentially let us hit high single digits, maybe double J earnings growth next year. And that's why the S&P is 2% from all-time high as we speak. It's looking forward to the likelihood um, that this is just an economic slowdown like we saw in 15-16 back in 2011 as well. You know, this is not the impending recession that G is. We've been hearing about for so long. We just think it's a slowdown and the economy can expand into next year. All right. So uh, besides the uh, the trade talks, besides interest rates, inverted yield curve, and earnings, impeachment talk. And you're saying not all impeachments have been the same. Uh, to me, I mean, he's got a year, year left in office. I mean, I'm looking at a low, low probability of that happening. But anyways, you've done some incredible homework here. Looking at the S&P 500 index returns after the initial impeachment process began uh, with Nixon. Wasn't Andrew Johnson impeached too? Did you got, do you have the statistics on that? Well, Andrew Johnson was impeached. I believe it was in 1869. So we don't even have any you know, reliable data, I guess. That was, <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> Anyways, what's uh, what's your research I show you? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at Nixon, he all that his trouble really started in late '73 with in October with the I believe they called it the Saturday Night Massacre. But he wasn't officially impeached. The initial impeachment process till February of '74. That was, that was before my time, but I know a lot of people listening might remember the recession of 73, 74, vicious time. The oil was spiking, stocks nearly cut in half. So clearly the impeachment, that was part of it, but I don't think that's why stocks did so poorly that that time during impeachment is compared to the late 90s when President Clinton was impeached. What happened, you know, stocks were soaring. Um, now, we had a big sell-off in, you know, I guess August, September of 98, before, right before the impeachment started, President Clinton, long-term capital management went under the Russian ruble crisis. So we had a big pullback going into that, and the timing of it was kind of you know, random, I guess we could say, with the impeachment starting with President Clinton. Nonetheless, a year after the impeachment process started with President Clinton, the S&P was up 39%. Six months later, up 41%, over 41%. So to say the impeachment is going to truly impact stocks, we think it comes back to that Carville quote, if the economy is stupid, if the economy is strong, we should still, we think we're still going the right way here. That can make up for a lot of sins and potentially it's a lot of news. Media like to talk about it. We don't see, you know, President Trump getting removed. No president out of 45 of them has ever been removed from office. We don't see that happening. So, um, you know, just keep looking at the fundamentals and they still are trekking the right way in our view. Yeah. And I think also with, uh, you know, different, um, geopolitical uh, you were coming near the end of the vietnam war with the nixon administration right. uh and with clinton i mean you did have the decline then the rebound so uh good statistics there ryan thank you thank you very much uh we won't we won't go to sports yet but uh what do you, <laughs> what do you have what do you have for so q3 
we're going to be okay. But fourth quarter has tended to be really strong for stocks. You're going back to 1950 with this information. So you're looking for the Santa Claus rally or a little bit before that? Yeah, we think a little before. I mean, we're in the scary month of October, right? But if you go back to 1987, we all remember the 87 crash, stock down over 20%. The month for the month, the FP was down about 20%. This is a pre-election year. Every single pre-election year since then, since 87, the S&P was down only once in 1995, like half a percent. So for whatever reason, pre-election years, October seems to do really well, at least since the 87 crash. And that's kind of what's happening this year. But just fourth quarter, right? The fourth quarter is a 3.9% on average, the strongest quarter out of all four of them. We get it. But when you, it's interesting. When you start the fourth quarter up at least 15% of the year, like we're this year, so a good start to a year, those returns jump to a median return of 4.6%. What I'm getting at, the fourth quarter is usually good. It's actually stronger when you have a good start to it. So, that, you know, history doesn't always repeat, but it does rhyme, said Mark Twain. I assume he said it. He gets all those quotes. But, you know, we think that that could be the case again, um, that all the negativity, look at all the negativity. I, I, the AAI poll, the, the high, lowest number of bulls we've seen in, in three years. Uh, the Bank of America Merrill Lynch survey just came out this morning. It, it's, it's, it's got a lot of bearishness as well. So a lot of negativity. Any good news, look what happened Friday, any good news at all, we can spike and we see potentially new highs here, you know, sometime in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Not too far away. We think it's going to happen. So you're not concerned about the 10-year low in manufacturing or the three-year low in services? No. Well, we look at those. And like you said, that shook us up two weeks ago. But at the same time, manufacturing three-year lows and service three-year low, manufacturing 10-year low. Look at the consumer. You know, consumer spending continues to come in strong. Consumer confidence. The University of Michigan consumer sentiment poll last week showed a tick higher. You know, the consumer does make up 70% of GDP, and the consumer seems to really be ignoring, I guess we'll say, a lot of the scary headlines. And as long as the U.S. consumer is still strong, it's very, very hard to see us heading to recession. So, again, slowing, yes, but maybe expanding next year as the consumer leaves us is still kind of how we see See things playing out in 2020. And what about the Ohio State University consumer sentiment poll? <laughs> that's well, that's from a contrarian point of view, it's about as high as it gets, right? My oh my, I guess last time we thought the season was just starting, but as a Buckeye fan, this is um the big thing with us is our defense was very, very poor last year, historically poor, and this year they've got three guys that might go in the first round draft and they're playing like it. So when your defense gives up 10 points a game, it makes life a lot easier. Are you so that's, guys- that's the one thing. Are you on the road at Wisconsin or home? That's at home. That's on the 26th. Yeah. They just announced it a noon game. A lot of people were kind of upset about the noon game, but it's the big, whatever Fox called it, big noon or something. But they play Wisconsin at home, uh, Penn State at home, and then the big one, of course, in the big house on the road. But, but you know, and then Michigan State was at home. So this, the schedule gods kind of were in their favor this year, too, with some of those big games at home. I want you guys to, uh, my dad's theory was, uh, we want you guys to win every game. We want you to be ranked number one, just like 1969. You remember the 1969 game? You guys were ranked number one being compared to the Minnesota Vikings of the National Football League. You came into the big house. So that's what, we'll see if that can happen this year. Any final thoughts on the market here? I mean, you're giving us the expectation for earnings. I mean, basically, we are. If you look at the overall, you look at the longer term chart, we're, we're in a trading range. And we've been in a trading <laughs> yeah. range for a couple years now here. Now kind of hang out. To me, when you're in a trading range and you hang out at one end too long here, it would be the upper end of it. 
to me, there's, you know, more expectations to take out the top of the trading range. Uh, any comments just uh, you know, on the overall market and what, you know, like getting over 3,000 and staying over 3,000. Is it going to be earnings? Is it going to be a trade deal? What's going to be the driver? Well, I think that's a great point. Let's put perspective. The S&P had a record 15-month winning streak ending in January 2018. 15 straight months, the S&P was higher on a total return basis. You could argue S&P's virtually gone nowhere since then, up a little bit, I know, with the 20% correction in the fourth quarter to re refresh the uh, re refresh the fears, and that's a good thing. So this is a you know, really nice consolidation in our view. Um, you, know, you look at the yield curve. Everyone was worried about the yield curve when it was inverted. Now the yield curve is starting to steepen. And the other lingo is, well, when the yield curve starts to steepen, uh, after it's been inverted, that's when we had recessions right around the corner. Um, but, you know, if you look under the surface, it's actually a bear, I don't want to get too geeky here, but it's actually a bear <laughs> steepening yield curve, which is more of a normal thing. That means long-term rates are increasing faster than short-term rates. That's, you know, I hate to say it's different this time, but that's four most dangerous words in investments. But it is. The yield curve is potentially saying, hey, things are getting more back to normal here. Global LEI numbers last week from the OECD, it's a mouthful to say that, but they ticked higher six over six months. So the global economy is starting to show some signs of maybe coming higher here. And what the yield curve is telling us, we think, is things are coming back to normal. And look at financials. The earnings are coming out this morning. It's a very influential group, obviously. The higher yield curve, higher rates uh, will help that group. And we think that group's kind of a key group here. And they'll kind of tell us, but we, we like the financial group to lead us here in the fourth quarter. We've been on the line with Ryan Dietrich. He's a senior market strategist at LPL Financial. Great uh, tw Twitter follow or follower on Twitter or whatever you want to call it, at Ryan Dietrich. Ryan, thank you. We'll talk to you again uh, next month. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joel. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, S&P's just kind of hanging in here. Eight and a quarter, 29.73.75, uh, up eight and a quarter. I guess no one is trading. They're listening to Benzinga's pre-market prep show. Uh, Triple D, what do you see out there? It is mixed, right? You got some banks going up, some banks going down. JP Morgan's up two bucks. Goldman's down four bucks. City's down 50 cents. Wells Fargo's trading down 62 Oops. cents. So you're mixed in the banks. You're mixed within sectors. And then you look, and obviously we've had some stocks, you know, report here after we talked about it early, which is getting a nice lift, although it's leaked off the highs. UNH is getting a nice lift. And then you can look at other stocks like OMC, which are trading. Well, OMC was in the red, but it started to come back here a little bit too. So, And then there's a lot of ratings here today too, just different calls here. So a lot of individual stock news really driving us. But what I would like to talk about for the next few minutes is the stock moves from yesterday. Because okay. we are seeing, um, we saw a big move here in Tesla here once again. Tesla's been straight up for one, two, three. I guess we had one kind of red day in there, although the bar still made a higher high. But we've made higher highs here on Tesla for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, almost eight days. So it has been moving up. And now you start getting up to where we were back in July when the stock was $266. What are your thoughts on Tesla? I mean, so many bearish bears out there. I mean, they started a t ticker symbol for a Tesla Q because so many people think this is going bankrupt. It's been a lot of been expensive short for a lot of people because the stock is just not going bankrupt anytime soon. Uh, well, you finally fill the gap if you're a gap trader here and you like to, you know, see uh, you know voids in price are fulfilled. You had a gap from 234.50 up to 258.16. And what was your, I, I bet you you got there yesterday. Yep, yesterday's high, 258.55. Uh, 
sold off a little bit. Uh, I guess the big number would be 266.07. Let's call it a range because on that day you had a close of 264.88, 266.07. Uh, what I don't, I mean, I like the price action you can't argue with. What I don't mm -hmm. like is the reason the stock went up is because Elon Musk says Tesla pickup looks like an armored personnel carrier from the future for the future. Uh, I saw those pecs of the, of the pickup and that's obviously, I don't know if we have actually seen that because Jason said that's just rumored still pecs that we're seeing online here right now that we haven't been released the actual pecs talking to because i was talking to, 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 to raz about it there but i mean it looked awesome the pics that i saw we, can we find them online anybody uh, got a pic can we show it tesla uh, pickup but i think these are just you know still speculations on what it's going to be i don't think we've actually seen an actual photo of it um I, there there was a rumor um at the wedding that raz had his car come from the parking lot and pick him up at the front door I think it's here, though. I think they do. Yeah, <laughs> those cartoons are cool. I, I'm looking at it here on Inside EVs, and they've got a picture. I wonder if this is an actual the piece of the Tesla puzzle are falling into place. So let's have a look at what's known. So I don't know if they've just done their own yeah. concept drawings of it. There's some different concepts of what it might look like, but I'm not sure if it's actually been released. But I tell yeah. you, it's probably going to look cool. I want to buy one. What are they going to make? Five of them? No. I mean, how long is it going to take to? Yeah, but that's been the argument, though. But that's a bogus argument. This car, this company's selling some cars. I mean, it doesn't sell five cars or ten cars. I mean, how many cars? What are, where's the production levels here now? It's like seven thousand a week, isn't it? Seven thousand a week. I that's significant. Do that in my garage with my neighbors. Yeah, sure, sure you can, Joel. But okay, where's Tesla production numbers here now? I mean, this has been the argument. Oh yeah, they're making a hundred cars. They're making them in a tent. Well, you know what? This argument hasn't held water for the bears for a long time because the stock is not going down, guys. You know, maybe it's other reasons. Maybe it's a cult stock, or maybe the stock company actually, you know, can produce cars at a cheaper price than everybody else. And, the profit margins are going to be higher eventually. Maybe that debt load they'll eventually be able to service. There's some bullish arguments I here. I mean, they're, they're, you know, it, you're doing good. Um, cumulative production has moved up from Q4 of 2018, 556,000. Q3 of 19, 816,000. Um, a million cars almost. A million cars. Okay. Uh, 16,000. I mean, they're making some cars. These cars are coming out. You know what? The margins are going to be better on these things. They, yes, they have a huge amount of debt to service. The cars look awesome. I, when I drove in that performance, I've never felt power, especially out of an electric vehicle, out of that thing. I mean, it's almost as fast as the Corvette. So, and it's electric. It's pretty impressive what this guy's done. So, you know, just throw the stock aside. You got to be impressed with what Elon Musk has accomplished. I mean, think about who has accomplished really more. I mean, he's got the SpaceX going, which is incredible. You know, he's got the car company going. You know, yeah, maybe he says the wrong thing here and there, but this guy is making, you know, some changes to the world. He's done some impressive, impressive things like landing those rockets, those boosters, and saving them after, you know, they're falling from the air, landing them on a, you know, 10 by 10 foot pad that's floating them in the ocean. I mean, I'm impressed. So I am impressed with Elon Musk. I'm impressed with his Tesla cars. And I don't think it's a zero. I know the debt. The reason I'm not in it, I have written puts in the past. And I plan on doing it again if it pulls back because it was good. I do not think it's a zero. I think, you know, this, I don't know if it's going to 500. I don't know if it's going to 1,000. But I tell you, if the stock came down to 100 bucks, there's going to be a lineup of buyers down there. And he yeah. might eventually be pressured to sell it to them. 
So that's why I'm comfortable riding puts in the 100, 110, $120 area. It's run a little bit. I've booked the profits. I'm hoping for a pullback here so I can rewrite those puts. All right, let's uh, we let's just touch here the last uh, five minutes of the show. We do have some ratings to cover here, and uh, Key Bank upgrades Bed Bath and Beyond overweight announces an eighteen dollar price target here. So it had the news, yeah. um, the uh, what was it, Activist News or that was well, about- the Activist News was way before, and that didn't yeah. help. But that was way, way back in, uh, the be- in the beginning of 2019 when the stock went from like $13 up to $19. Um, it had the, I believe it was the earnings report, Joel. Was that, it, earnings? it that, I think it was earnings from four days ago when it gapped up. I believe it was the earnings report. Uh, Go to the pro. Yep, you're right. You're right. Yeah, so the earnings report was okay. I mean, there's a, there's a valuation here that some people are saying is attractive. I just challenge, you know, the size of the stores and that they sell towels. So obviously they sell some other Theo, too. The Warlock. Hey, is that um, that's uh, Kenny Glick? Kenny Glick, yeah. get the bid. Yeah, it um, new. C- it's got life right now. I'm not shorting it, but at the same time, I'm not putting him in a long-term investment portfolio either because I think he, I think it's still got a lot of issues. Let's look at trading up 44 cents here. Good number for you here, folks. If you want, if you're following this issue, uh, the follow-through move took the issue up to 13.15. With a settlement of two nine of twelve ninety eight, uh, this was on Friday. So if this is and it's a big move for this thing overnight, but hey, get over twelve ninety eight, test that thirteen fifteen, you know, close over thirteen bucks, and I think you got another leg up in this thing. If you if you if you fail it, you know, it's an upgrade. On how, I don't know how a- active analysts are on this stock. Not that active, so that's why it gets a lot of love. And another point that Kenny's making in the chat is a short squeeze. I mean, there's a lot of shorts in here, so that's why you'll see this thing. I can see it. It's probably going to challenge that thirteen. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to challenge that thirteen, fourteen high. Let's see what it does. If it gets thicker around thirteen, does it fail? Big day for it. Can it take out the thirteen, fourteen, and start squeezing them more, maybe. I mean, the squeeze is still on here, so there's a lot of shorts that are nervous on this, so it could squeeze them for a bit, but I'm not going to say, oh, it's safe to go and invest in Bed Bath & Beyond. Kramer was saying that the other day on Mad Money. I disagree with him. I think it's safe to trade it. I like it from the long side of the trade, maybe. Stopping myself out, I would stop at 1171. Below 1171, I want no part of this, because if that thing takes out the low of the earnings day, then I think it's going to fill that gap. So as long as it stays above 1171, the bulls have a case here. So I don't have no problem with you coming in and buying it as a trade. I have a problem if you're sticking this in your long-term investment portfolio, thinking, oh, I'm going to 5.3% yield. What can go wrong? A lot of things can go wrong. Go look at the charts of Pier 1 imports, et cetera. Sometimes these stories that get hot for a little bit are still broken stories. I believe Bed Bath & Beyond is still a broken story, but it's squeezing them a little bit here right now. So as a trade, just, just don't get married to the position. Takes off that 1171 low, I'd get the hell out. Uh, two upgrades in a, in a row. Tells the advisory group upgraded this on the tenth. KeyBank follows it up. Uh, also, Evercore and Wedbush were uh, bullish on the issue, um, upgrading it back in August and September. So uh, you do have an upgrade train here in Triple BY. What makes me bullish is they'd say, "Hey, our next store we uh, we build, uh, we're going to make it." Uh, you know. 2,000 square feet less. And, and also, um, you know, their, um, you know, their leases, you know, are coming up and, you know, maybe they're going to, they can do some downsize or get rid of uh, some of the underperforming stores or 
get rid of all those 20% coupons here. I mean, that's just it. They got a coupon to get the sales. So, you know, that's why the long-term story I still don't like, but agree with Kenny. I think he's agreeing with me too. As a trade, you can squeeze him a bit. All right. Uh, let's all just check in at the remainder of uh, ratings here. Uh, Dennis, anything that's jumping out with you? That, uh... um, Square catches a buy, just initiation of a buy at UBS. You also had SFIX, Stitch Fix, uh, getting uh, outperformed rating from Baird. That's trading up a couple of percent in the pre-market because of that. Uh, Shopify had on my list to talk about no rating, but it had a real good day yesterday. And Shopify, don't look now, but it's on the comeback trail. We've been saying, and this was we were saying before, this is a story that's not broken. This is a story that cooled off. And the story is going to start to pick it up again. Again, if you're Canadian, this is one of the Canadian darlings here. If you're a Canadian investment manager, you're looking at some Canadian tech to your exposure. There's not a lot of places to go. That's why I do believe Shopify, you know, you're not looking at valuations or anything. But I've said before, I think Shopify could be a $500 stock. I still think that. I wish I would have bought some. I thought about buying some of the pullback. I just can't stomach the valuation because I'm that whole value guy, uh, which hasn't even worked that well from a long-term portfolio. Maybe we should just be starting to buy these Momo stocks. But I like Shopify on a pullback, SHOP. Uh, I, got a, I got a nice number, 348. Uh, 348 represents the 50% retracement of your move from 409.61. That was your all-time high made in August down to your low in September, 286.07. A cool 123-point sell-off. What happened with Roku? What happened with Roku? Something going on right now. It's blasting off. Roku, Roku, blasting off. Something happened. Let's see if we can find what's going on here. Up to 88. Reppin. Reppin. Somebody said something on Roku. Let's see here. Somebody said something on Roku. I just ripped three bucks. Like right now. Apple TV? Uh, coming from the desk here from Sebastian, he says something about Apple. Something TV. just happened right now. We're trying uh, to grab it. I think it's Apple. Start on the fly sometimes. Uh, the that- Apple TV app and Apple TV coming to Roku platform. Ooh. Apple. Thank you, Sebastian. Okay. Yeah, so that was breaking. That was a press release right at nine o'clock. So Apple TV app and the Apple TV Plus is coming to the Roku platform. That's right. why you just saw Roku rip it up. Uh, what we'll keep an eye on here is 124.02. That was your high on Friday. It's a little bit over two bucks away. Uh, if you want a secondary number besides that high, uh, the close on that day was 121.60. But right now, short-term target here, Roku, 124.02. It's always nice to stay on at like nine, right? Because then you get uh, the price. Wow, this is ripping, Joe. 123.04 just traded. Yep, I see. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on 124.02. That was uh, your high in Friday's session. So let me uh, let me preview tomorrow's show. Uh, we got a new guest coming on from earningsreport.com. His name's Tom Bowley. He's going to come on. And good time to have him on, right, with our earnings season around the corner. He has an accounting background, so we'll see how he uh, incorporates it into his trading and uh, – also, more earnings, more earnings after the close and in the morning, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be covering that for you as well. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday, October 15th edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. 
Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.